everybody. Welcome to another episode of Orange Juice Optional. I am sitting here with my computer screen and on the other end of that screen somewhere out in Arizona <laughs> is my good friend, Suzanne. I'm here. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? Good. How are you, Michelle? I'm doing pretty well. Just, you know, trying to keep up with the demands of the day. I know. And another beautiful Arizona day. It's like, I don't know how we've lucked out this spring with such gorgeous weather, but we have. We definitely have. And just the other day, because I have been so out of touch with what's going on in Alaska, I decided to pull up the weather and it's 43 degrees. I, I know. Currently, like right now, it's 43 degrees and cloudy. And you forget that when you're in Arizona and it's 70 degrees when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, you forget 43 degrees and cloudy. Well, I will be remembering it very soon because I am headed back in just a couple weeks and we'll be spending the majority of the summer there in Alaska. <sighs> good for you. But you have a good reason for doing that. Don't you want to join me there? <laughs> no. No, I'll be there for a couple of weeks. I do have a good reason. I do. I'll be there for a couple of weeks. But tell us about you, why you're why you're spending your summer. If you want to share it with us, it's up to you. Oh, I definitely do. Before we get get into that, I just want to say I would love to give you guys all updates on the birthday and the wedding, but we are recording these episodes in advance, so you'll have to wait until June to hear how all that goes. And maybe I'll bring the newlyweds on or we'll bring the newlyweds on. But we will definitely have some fun stories to share, but it'll be a little bit in the future. So anyhow, yes, I'm going back to Alaska because Rob and I have decided that we are going to downsize. Wow. Yes, we are going to sell the house that... We have raised our four boys in and have all these wonderful memories. And wow, <laughs> just putting it out there in the universe for everybody to hear seems very weird, but it seems official. I mean, we're excited about it and we'll always have a place there. It's just will be less for us to worry about when we're not there. Yeah, which based on our last episode about middle age, I would consider that a middle-aged move. A middle-aged move, but I'll say... It's not a middle age move because of the stairs. I'm not there no, yet. But that's an old, that would be an old age move. Let's make sure we stay in the middle age category, but you're downsizing your empty nesters. Kids are out of the house. You want less maintenance to deal with. That's all very middle adulthood things to think about. And smart too. I really am feeling like I'm making this adult choice, even though... It's a hard one. It's not an easy one because the house holds so many memories and it holds so much crap also. <laughs> yes, it does. I mean, everyone experiences that when you face moving, you look around your house and you realize, I think 90% of what you have is worth getting rid of. It absolutely is. And all I can say is, with the pandemic, I haven't been home for a while and I have lived my life perfectly happy without any of that stuff, but I always knew it was there. So this is definitely going to be a challenge because it was still a security blanket. Does that make sense? I think it does. Even though it wasn't there and with like with me every day and even though I couldn't touch it or see it, <laughs> I couldn't spark my joy. 
I knew it was there when I got back. And now it's like, um, that's all changing. And so it will be a busy summer of going through everything. And I think we're even going to host, dare I say, some garage sales, which oh God. I have never done a garage sale. Well, I did one once back like 25 years ago, but I haven't held one since because they stress me out and I don't want people to bargain with me. I just want to sell it. I know. And inevitably they bargain with you. And yeah, I gave up garage sales. The last garage sale I did, and believe me, I used to be the garage sale queen. I mean, I held them, if not every year, every other year when the kids were growing up and it was all about making a buck. But I hate them. And the last one I did was a fundraiser garage sale um, for the basketball team when my son was in high school. And I did decide that's it. I have outgrown garage sales, never doing it again, because they are a ton of work. They are a ton of work. My best advice to you is don't have anything under a dollar that you're going to sell and don't have change. I mean, like coin change, just do dollars. I do that in my store. If you shop in my store, everything is rounded to the nearest dollar. I don't deal with change. And I love that approach. And Rob and I have had this discussion many times in the past. Like, why do they make French fries, let's say at McDonald's, $1.99? Why don't you just make it $2? And I do understand the whole tax aspect, but why don't you make it an amount that when you add the tax in, it's a whole number and then you're not dealing with all that change, especially in a pandemic when you don't want to touch money and there's a shortage. Right. And I think... Originally, they did that because tax, they'd only put a penny tax. Originally, when it was $1.99, and then there was a penny tax, and it did even it up to $2. But that got lost along the way. So anyway, good luck with your garage sale. Glad I'm not going to be there because I hate garage sales. <laughs> but you'll... Well, I was going to wait. <laughs> no, but you'll... going to wait great. until you came to Alaska to help me. No, I'm kidding. I wasn't going to. And I may just end up donating everything because it does stress me out. It stresses me out to have people I don't know in my space, first of all. And then to see where all my stuff's going. Like, I'm happy it's moving out and someone else will get use or get some use out of it. Okay, so why not just donate it? I would call Goodwill or whatever your favorite charity is and have them come and pick it all up and haul it away. And, you know, I use Got Junk all the time, this company, and I'm not plugging the company, but it's an amazing company because what I found out is you could just have them take everything and they will donate it. If it's in good condition, they donate it. And I'm like, okay, this is brilliant because I don't have to do anything. I just have to pick up the phone and call them and then pay the bill at the end and they haul it all away. And then they take care of throwing away what can't be salvaged and donating what can. I think that would be one of the most difficult jobs. If we ever do an episode on difficult jobs, I would like to add the people who work in donation sites because they have to go through everybody's stuff and make that decision and then, you know, display it and price it and deal with it. That would be a tough job. The other job I think would be really tough. And thank God I don't have to deal with it anymore until I have grandkids, is being the person at Chuck E. Cheese 
who works behind the get like when you get all those tickets works behind the counter and receives those tickets. Do you know how long we would spend there when our kids were younger, why they made up their mind, what they wanted to spend their tickets on? Oh, I know. And you know, they took away those Chuck E. Cheese tickets. Did you know that they don't do that anymore? Well, obviously I didn't know that. <laughs> do they give them a, va- a voucher now? I don't know what they do, but it was a big thing in the news when Chuck E. Cheese eliminated the tickets. It, it, it was recently, it was recently, it was in probably within the last year that that happened. But yeah, they did away with the tickets and the prizes, you know, by picking things out with your tickets. And I don't know what they do now, but just... FYI. Oh, they did away with giving out prizes for tickets too, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. And like I said, I haven't been to a Chuck E. Cheese in 25 years, 30 years. So I'm only going on what I heard on a news program. So I don't know the details. Yeah. When you first started talking about that, I assumed that they were just giving out vouchers like, you know, slot machines went from dropping the coins to handing out vouchers that you turn it. I thought that's what you meant, but no, they just did away with all of it. I think so. I think they just did away with it. Yeah. But don't quote me on that. I Like I said, I'm just relaying what I heard on a news program, but I did hear wow. it. Wow. Welcome yeah. to middle age. I never thought I'd see that. I know. Right. So you can even just cross that thing off of your worst jobs list because it'll never happen because it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It was a thing of the past, I guess. I feel sorry for the kids that won't have that. Yeah, I don't. Because <laughs> they don't know what they're missing. I mean, it's like, it's like, really, they don't know what they're missing. And I'm sure there will be some sort of substitute that will be just as much fun for them. Oh, my gosh. I know what they're missing, though. That makes me <laughs> sad. But anyway, that is completely off topic. Yeah, it really so is. I'm just going to move back to finding out what to do with all my crap and then getting to the point where we can actually sell the house and find that smaller place to to move into. And I know our house has been completely remodeled. So that's a plus. And I kind of started to think about, and we talked about being an interior designer and all those do's and don'ts that maybe you could share with us either in the middle of a remodel or while moving, like those things you can do to make that space your own. Make that space your own. But I would say when you're selling your space, okay, and this to me, someone along the line after I became an interior designer approached me and said, hey, how'd you like to get into the staging business where you go in and you stage a home for sale to make it look personable, but not personal. And, you know, at first it kind of intrigued me. I thought, yeah, I'd be really good at that. I could do that. But then I thought, oh my God, that would be the worst, worst job ever would be because basically you're a moving company, moving things in and out of other people's homes to make it look good. But Greg and Jamie did it when they recently put their place on the market in Seattle. And that stager did an amazing job. Their house, it looks personable but not too personal. And it's like, that would be the key. But I do have a lot of design tips that you should remember when you're staging your home for sale. And I can give you a lot of tips when you're moving into a new place. Well, do share. Because not only are we moving into a new place up in Anchorage, but I'm going to be starting a building project down here in Arizona. So any tips 
I'm open. Bring it on. Okay. Well, one of the biggest questions I get or requests I get as an interior designer is choosing paint colors. And it is probably one of the most challenging things to do when you're remodeling, when you're buying a new place that needs paint, when you're building and you have to pick your paint colors, because you have to pick trim and you have to pick the overall wall color, the ceiling color. You have to think in terms of, do you want cool colors? Do you want warm tones? What do you want? And I have a long list. I keep a long list of go-to neutrals and go-to whites. I'm just going to share a couple of them with you. I'm not going to give, you know, give you my whole list, but if you want to go cool colors, then you're going to go with the grays and the whites that have blue undertones. If you want warm colors, you're going to go with the tans, the beiges, the creams, and the whites that have yellow undertones. And it's a really good thing to remember because you don't want to put on your wall a gray with a blue undertone and then do a trim with a white yellow undertone because then you have great cools and warms competing. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense, but I was hoping I would get away without having to paint for somebody else? Or are you meaning painting into the place I'm moving into? Painting. And my guess is you, and you may not have to paint. You may just want to touch up paint, but when you get all of your furniture out of your place, (laughs) you're going to look at those walls and you're going to say, and in a good market, you may not have to paint, but you're building a house. You're going to have to pick paint. You're moving into a if you find a townhome or a smaller home, yeah, chances are you're going to have to paint. Absolutely. And you're going to look at those walls and you're going to say, well, I'm just going to paint it cream. Well, there are 10,000 creams out there and picking the right one can make or break it because if you go too creamy, then it looks yellow. If you go too tan, it looks too dark, you know, so you have to just know the right color. And I think I have a good list of colors, neutrals, and I don't have to go through all of the colors because you'd have to have a pencil paper and you'd have to write them all down. But when the time comes, I will be sure that you have the right colors. And I have learned something about um, when you just talked a little bit about paint, the the cool and the warm and your description of them, I can definitely tell you I'm more of a warm tone person. Right. And so you definitely are going to go for yellow-based colors. And even if you don't think you like yellow, you just have to think of the sun as warm and clouds are cool. And clouds usually have a a bluish tint to them. The sun has a warm feel to it. So just for that, I'm going to say one of my favorite warm tones, neutral. It's a neutral for any wall, anywhere. It's called pavilion beige. And it's an overall perfect beige. And it's a Sherwin-Williams paint. And no matter where you put it, you will love it. Okay. That's good to know because I'm going to be pulling that out of my memory bank, or I'll actually write it down because as we talked about last week, middle age, but anyhow, that is good to know. So once the the place has been painted, let's go with moving out first. How would you stage that house? Uh, I'm guessing taking personal effects down or what would you recommend to do 
to get that house ready to sell. Definitely, you have to take out all your personal belongings. You don't want anyone who's looking at the house to feel like they're invading your private space. You want them to look at the house with the features of the house. You don't want them to zoom in on a sofa that they hate, for example. You know, if you, um, (laughs) there was this place, we actually saw it on Million Dollar Listings, a TV program, and this place was gorgeous but it was staged with a hideous sofa that had a gold back to it. And they couldn't sell the unit because of that ugly sofa, because everyone who came in to look at the place forgot to look at the place because they they zoomed in on the ugly sofa. So when you have people, buyers coming into your house, you don't want them to zoom in on wedding pictures or pictures of children or um, what kind of dishes you own or what your taste in furniture. You got to get rid of all that stuff and make it feel very neutral. How about the taxidermy? Oh, I'd get rid of the taxidermy in a minute. I've been trying. I've been trying for years. Yeah, I don't mean permanently. I mean, when you're showing a house. And in Alaska, it's a little different because there are so many people who live in Alaska for the sole purpose of hunting and fishing. So I don't think most people in Alaska find it offensive, but I think in general, yeah, something like that you you take down before people come in. Yeah, that may be a selling point at our house and maybe they'll even want to purchase that taxidermy with the house. <laughs> that would be ideal. It may be. For you, not for Rob. (laughs) Yeah, not for Rob. He'd be pretty sad about it. So, okay. So taking out those personal effects, what else would you recommend to do before selling? Just highlighting the features of the house. You know, you want to have a sofa and a rug and a coffee table in the living room, but you don't want to have much more than that. Probably a chair, you know, make sure you have little vignettes set up so people can envision how to use the space. What's a vignette? A vignette is a corner or a nook, like a reading nook in a, in a living room. You would create a space around the focal point of the room, like around the fireplace. You would put a sofa, the rug, the coffee table. Oh, okay. Okay. But then there's probably an empty corner behind that. Now in that space, you would create a vignette. You would put maybe a reading chair and a lamp and a basket of magazines with a throw so people can envision what to do with that space when they move in. Or if you don't want to go to that trouble, you just put a big plant in that corner just so someone can envision how to fill that space. I know a space in my house that is very awkward and I don't know what to do with that. Right now it holds a warthog. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's hideous. It's hideous. <laughs> well, what kind of awkward space is it? What, where is it? And what does it look like? It's down below the stairs. So it is a triangle uh, where the stairs, you know, because the first flight goes one direction and then it changes 90 degrees and then goes up. So the triangle sits below it. And right now it's just built up and it has a piece of cardboard on it or plywood. And then that's where that piece of taxidermy sits. I do not remember what was there when we bought the house. Maybe they filled it with fake plants or something because I don't remember seeing that space until I got in there and then saying, what do we do with this space? Now it holds taxidermy and it holds wine that needs to go down to the basement. 
because we have a lot of wine up there too, which is a stressor. Right. So in my opinion, and I haven't seen the space in a long, long time. I don't even remember a warthog. But when you say there's a piece of plywood, <laughs> let's just start there. Yeah. Clean out that space, give it a fresh coat of paint, and you could put a plant in there. I wouldn't put a lot of plant. I don't know how big the space is. but Oh, it- it's big. I'm going to send a picture when I get yeah. back to Anchorage and you can do your magic. Well, and I think if you're storing wine, probably, you know, overflow wine that's not fitting downstairs, you know, maybe invest in a decent looking wine rack and make it a wine nook and actually display your wine in that space. But then it goes to, why would I do that now when I could have had that all these years and never did it? Or I could have had it all these years and not ever done it. Well, because you never asked me. (laughs) Because if you had asked me 15 years ago, I would have said, get rid of the warthog and let's get a wine rack and put a wine rack in there and display your wine and find a great purpose for this particular awkward space where when someone comes into your house to say, oh, what a clever idea. But I, you know, I'm just saying that happens to everyone. They don't know how to do that until it's time to move and you're forced to do it. That would make it harder to sell if I had a new feature added that I really loved. But Yeah. And I will just clarify because I called it a warthog. It's actually a javelina. In my mind, they're the same thing. But if Rob listens, if he listens, he'll be like, Michelle, you know, it's a javelina. Yeah. Well, the visual in my head is no better than if it was a warthog. (laughs) Well, I'm going to send you a picture and you can help me decide what to do in that space. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, definitely send me a picture. But yeah, I'm leaning towards finding some cool piece And it can be a piece that you take with you, but a piece to display wine. Since since you have your overflow wine there anyway, yeah, let's let's use it and display it. Okay. It's going to be a bigger challenge than you think once you see the space, but Uh, we can move on from there because everyone's probably like, okay, we don't, we can't visualize the space. (laughs) Move on. So anything else that you would do before selling the house, taking out personal items, creating a vignette? Did I say that correctly? Creating vignettes and deep cleaning it. Hire a professional cleaning company to come in and clean every nook and cranny and window and light fixture and everything that can be cleaned should be cleaned spotlessly. There shouldn't be any sign of dust or dirt or grime or fingerprint or anything anywhere in the house. It should be spotless. Thank God we are selling this once our boys have already grown and left the house because it it wouldn't have lasted a day. Yeah. And I I won't take your recommendation for a cleaner because like the one time I did. (laughs) I know. I got this astronomical bill and she washed all of Rob's baseball hats, which she had done previously to Jeff. I know. And yeah, I'll... uh, find someone else for this job. Yeah. Hire a crew to come in and and clean it spotlessly. And get all the windows washed. And then do you find value in the idea of baking cookies before you have an open house or a showing just to have that warm smell come into the house? What do you think there? Yeah, I think anything you can do to make it feel like a home without making it feel too personal is a good idea. So banana bread, 
yeah, chocolate chip cookies, anything that makes the house smell good. Yeah, a good candle burning. I don't like air fresheners because I think they feel stale and phony. You know, I think anyone can room fragrances. I don't, but I think it has. So I think it has to smell natural. But yeah, you candles go a long way in getting rid of bad odors or stale, musty odors and definitely baked cookies. Okay. Well, there's a benefit there because then I get to eat them. Yep, exactly. But I have nobody to help me. So that could be not a benefit to my waist. But anyhow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You digress. (laughs) Yes, I digress right there. So anything else before we move from selling a space to moving into a space and what you can do to make it yours? No, I think if you do those things, I think you're good to go. I think the place will speak for itself. Yeah. Just don't have any distractions in the house that keep people from seeing the, the good qualities of the house. Okay. Well, I'm really excited about it. And more than anything, it's such a beautiful house. And again, it's been completely remodeled. So I want somebody to be able to create new memories there with their family. I mean, it's a family house and it was built for that. So I'm excited. Yep. You've got to give it to someone else. Let someone else enjoy it. So then we move out of that house and into a new space. And to make it our own, this is even where you shine even more because this is your open canvas. So what do you do first after you paint the walls? Well, I think I'm going to assume that you already have the flooring done, you know, that you're going into a finished place. So you're not going to be tearing out flooring. You're not going to be, you know, when you build, that'll be a whole different ballgame. But in Anchorage, when you're going into a new place that's already built, yeah, you want to paint. If there's carpet, which Alaska is known for its carpet because of the cold weather, carpet seems to be warm. Whatever carpet's in there, you rip it out and you put in new carpet or you put in flooring. Do not live with someone else's carpet. Just saying. Number one rule. Oh, no, I I would agree with you. I have horrible allergies. And so if there had been a cat in there at all, I'm going to feel the effects of it. So yes, okay. Change the carpeting and the flooring. I'm hoping to find a place turnkey, but I know that the market is really, really tough up there right now. So Right. And I think we'll have a whole if you're up for it, at some point, we'll do a whole episode on remodeling and rules of design and things to remember. But I do have a few things today that I just want to remind you of. I know I've said this before, but you're going from a a pretty big home, you're downsizing to a smaller home. And I want you to remember a couple of things. I want you to remember scale and size. And what fit perfectly in your big house is not going to work in a smaller scale home. So do not fall into the trap of saying, oh, I'm just going to take this and put it in, get rid of your furniture, get new things for the townhome. And it's not just because of scale and size. And I 100% stand by this. It's also the personality of, there's a big difference in the personality of a big home like you have and the personality of a townhome that you're downsizing to. And the things that you love in your big home, 
you are going to hate in your townhome. It is not going to work. You need to learn the personality of the townhome and furnish it accordingly. And do not fall into the trap of trying to make this stuff in the big house work in the small home. It's not going to. I can guarantee it. And I I get that. But the one room of furniture I am so incredibly tied to is my bedroom furniture because it's so beautiful and it's relatively new. And I love it. I don't want to get rid of it. I might have to buy a place around that furniture. And I was just going to say that. Then then when you're shopping for your townhome, the first place you better be looking in that townhome is the size of the master bedroom that's going to fit. If I remember, it's a king size bed. A lot of townhomes, the master bedroom, a king size bed is going to look too big in a master suite in a townhome. So just keep that in mind. And and if you if you love that set of furniture, yeah, absolutely keep it. But remember it when you're when you're shopping or when you're looking for your townhome. And I would love to bring it down to Arizona, but Rob really is a true believer in the fact that by the time you pay to have things shipped from Alaska to anywhere, the cost is so astronomical you can just buy new furniture. And I'm like, I get it, but I do like this furniture, but I will keep that in mind moving forward that it may not work and to let that go. Right. And that being said, furniture is just a thing. (laughs) And it's like, if you love this set, you're going to find another set that you love just as much or maybe more that maybe will fit better in a townhome than what's in your great big master bedroom in I mean, it's one of the drawbacks of selling your home. You know, there are always going to be drawbacks and that's one of them. I remember when we sold our, (laughs) we had a small home in Anchorage and the kids were getting big. We were so crowded in that house and I had just replaced the range in the kitchen and I loved the new range we put in that kitchen and we literally sold our house six months later. And I, the hardest part for that for me, was not being able to take my range with me because I loved it so much. But it's like, well, but that's the reality. Some things just have to be sacrificed. And if you love this set, you just go look for another set that's similar that you love as much or more. Okay, that's fair enough. So we're scaling the furniture to fit the unit, the new unit. What else would you recommend moving into a space? Do you have pointers on, well, I'm sure you have pointers on everything, how to hang art, how to position furniture. Um, So the floor is yours, Suzanne. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to stay on the furniture side of it. And especially for you, because we're not young, um, starting out life, you know, married life people anymore. We're old, we're established. You buy quality pieces, you buy the best you can afford to put in that house. Do not cheap out. (laughs) You know, don't, there's nothing against Costco furniture, but don't decide to go to Costco to furnish your home. Do not buy cheap leather. Do not buy cheap rugs. The pieces you love, even if it's fewer pieces and quality pieces, when you're looking for a sofa, you make sure it has a hardwood frame. Do not get something that has a plywood frame or a plastic frame or, you know, you get something that's solidly built that's going to last you forever. And um, you get high quality material. 
And I cannot emphasize that enough because if you don't, you will replace that sofa three or four times in the life of a high quality sofa. So you might save a thousand bucks buying something cheap today, but in the long run, you're going to spend 10 times that replacing the cheap sofa that you buy. Okay. That's fair enough. That That's a good piece of advice that I'll have right. to let my accountant husband settle into the idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the other thing is an area rug. Do not cheap out on an area rug because the problem with area rugs that are make out of, made out of cheap fiber or cheap materials is they will unravel around the edges and it'll drive you crazy. They will shed when you vacuum them, they will shed and then they become thin. They get discolored very easily because they don't hold the dye as well as natural fabrics or higher quality fabrics. Do not cheap out on your area rug. Make sure it is the best quality you can afford. That is really good advice because you are right. Fraying edges, fabric being pushed out onto the rest of my floor, that would drive me crazy. And we're going to have a dog. And so that wouldn't be good. And animals are the hardest possible thing on an area rug or on carpet. You know, invest in the highest quality you can because it's going to be a lot easier to maintain it and keep it looking nice. And I am passionate about that. It's like, oh my goodness, just don't go to Target and buy a cheap area rug. Buy something. And okay, and so then I'm just going to jump to my next point is do not decorate your home with cheap art from Target. Just don't do it. You know, keep the art that you love and only hang that and do not hang chintzy cheap art in your place. It makes everything in your place look cheap if it's cheap art because you're trying to fill a wall. You know, find pieces that are meaningful to you and only hang meaningful art in your home. That is good advice. I like that. And I know it makes a difference. And we have lots of art at our current home. So it's okay to move art from our current home into this space if it fits it, right? Move art that you love that has meaning. If it doesn't have any meaning to you, don't move it because art is like furniture. It has to fit. It has to, you know, if you have tall ceilings in your current home and you're going to a townhome, chances are there aren't going to be high ceilings and big pieces of art will look too crowded in a smaller space. So make sure you love what you're taking with you and make sure it has some meaning to you. If it doesn't have any real value or meaning, get rid of it and just get something different. Okay. And I have a question. So if we're moving into a smaller place, it's two bedrooms. So the one is, of course, a master bedroom. The second, I kind of would like guest space in case one of the kids came to visit or my parents were there. But Rob thinks it should be office space. What do you think? I think it can be both, of course. (laughs) Of course. Why not, right? Yeah. I think in today's market, especially in the furniture world, I think that is a common request that people have. How can I use this space both ways? And there are a couple of options. Obviously, the easiest option is, again, high quality pullout sofa. You know, uh, I don't even know what, are they just called pullout sofas where you can pull out a bed? 
What are those sleeper sleeper sofas? Sleeper sofas. Sleeper sofa. Yeah. Get a high quality sleeper sofa that is comfortable and um, don't cheap out on that. Do not get a cheap one. And where anyone who sleeps on that is going to come out and say, God, that was such a comfortable bed to sleep on. And if you have it made up before guests come, they don't even need to know it's a sofa. It can just look like a regular bed and you have it all made up and they don't feel like they're being, they're putting you out by visiting. And then you just fold it up and there's a desk in the room and you have your office space when you don't have guests. Okay. That's a good compromise. And I, I'm all about the compromise in my middle age years. <laughs> yeah, And I have one other option that you could look into, and that would be wall units that include a bed where you pull the bed down and the wall unit acts as storage around it. And then you pull the bed down when you have guests and it's a bedroom. Ah, I never thought of that. That actually sounds pretty cool also. I'll have to look into that option. It is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other advice for moving into a new space? I mean, I have a lot of design rules, but again, I think that's a whole nother conversation because I think when you're getting ready to build your home, I think we'll go down that road. We'll talk about how to place outlets. We'll talk about how to hang light fixtures, the distance between the floor and where to place artwork on the wall. You know, the distance between a sofa and a coffee table, how much room should there be? The size of the coffee table compared to the size of the sofa. What are the what are the design rules so it looks good? But I think those are more for when you're actually building a house from the ground up. Okay. And you touched on so many aspects that Rob and I have been discussing between ourselves when it comes to building this uh this house. And one of them really is uh, the placement of outlets and especially in the office space, um, putting one in the floor. So it's right next to where the desk is going to be. But you're going to have a lot of things going on to figure that out because you're going to have to be mentally preparing how you want that space to look at the time you're designing it. Right. And I highly recommend when you're building from the ground up, using an interior designer. And here's why, because a lot of contractors have the standards for where to put an outlet or where to put a light switch or which direction the door should open. There are industry standards and construction standards. And if you're not there or you don't have an interior designer on your behalf, saying, wait just a minute, are you sure that's where you want your light switch to be? Does that make sense to you when you're coming in? Do you want your door to open into the room or out of the room? You really need to decide those things from the ground up, not once the building is built and then you go in because, yeah, and the standard industry for outlets is every eight feet and they don't put them in closets. Well, it's like where, or pantries. And it's like, where do you need an outlet the most? You definitely need outlets in your closets and in your pantry, but that's not an industry standard. So unless you're there to tell them that you won't get them. Wow. I never even thought about that, but it's true about pantries and putting light in that space. So I'm glad I have you on my team. Yeah. They usually have lighting in a pantry, but a lot of times they won't have outlets in a pantry. It's amazing. And have you ever been that person who you want to go plug in your vacuum and it's like, gosh, darn it, why is there not an outlet here? 
it's because Mr. Construction Man didn't think to put one there. Oh, all good points. Well, I'm really glad that you're going to be helping me with this, or I'm just assuming you're going to be helping me. Oh, of course I am. Because... Yeah, you can, you can just tell by how um, I talk, how passionate I am about these things and how much fun I have planning these things. So, you know, of course, I'm going to... I hope you mean it. Oh, yeah. I hope you mean it because I am feeling like I have jumped into the deep end of a pool and I'm going to drown without help. Oh, no. And I also always say that to my clients that I have. It's like, you have to trust your own judgment and your own taste, and you have to give yourself enough credit to know that you can do it. We can do it. I can do it too. If I had to, I would, but I don't know what the end result would be. It could be pretty funky. <laughs> oh, you'll do great. I can't wait until you get the process started. I know that reminds me, I need to go call the third builder we are going to interview so we can make a decision, at least start with the plans because building here takes a while. It could be two years out. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? It sure is. So anything else you want to share on this topic of leaving a space, moving into a space? Anything? No, I think we, I mean, I like I said, I can, I can go deep. I can go into design rules and advice as deep as you want to go. But I also think there's another episode there where we can talk about, you know, moving furniture around and how to place a painting on a wall and, you know, how far away should your dining room table be from the wall and, you know, all of those kind of design rules um, that are very helpful at the time when you're ready to do it. But you'll ne- if you don't have a pencil and paper, you'll never remember it right now when the time comes. It's like, God, what was that number going to be? What was how, how many inches? Yeah, well, definitely. Let's do that episode sooner rather than later, because I bet you have wonderful notes written down. And at the beginning of our episode, we'll just say, hey, everybody, we're going to talk here a little while. Get a pen and paper if you want any designing advice so then they can jot it down. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Definitely. Well, you have reminded me of some things that I need to do today, like call that third builder and <laughs> put one more thing on my plate right now because I don't have enough going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, just get the call made and then it's done. Then it's behind you and you're good. That's true. Then I can cross it off my list of to-dos. Yep, absolutely. Well, I guess with all that shared, thank you everyone for listening. I hope this episode helped you out if you're changing spaces. And thanks, Suzanne, for your advice. It really was helpful and gave me a lot to think about. Yeah, well, and good luck with the moves, all the things you have to do. Um, I'll be cheering you on from afar. (laughs) I know you will. And I just hope I don't chicken out with this forward progress. So, Oh, you won't. It'll be great. Yeah, I guess I'll just throw it out there to the universe and say cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had God send music, 
I cue it right now. Riley is a know everything about podcasting kind of guy. And the best part for us was that he was so nice and down to earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.